Good evening. Thank you for being here tonight. Um, uh, as you know, this is the little senior spotlight kind of thing. And uh, uh, me and Tucker both worked kind of hard on our lessons, you could say. And uh, so bear with, us that, bear with us if they're horrible. Um, anyway, tonight I want to talk about making a church family um, wherever you are, your church family, your personal family. Um, as for me, the process of moving into a new stage of life is, is pretty uh, daunting and scary in some aspects. Um, for me, it's going to college, and I've had so, much issue, so many issues with uh, doing applications and filling out paperwork. I feel like I've been living in the Freed Hartman admissions office for the past few months. And uh, the thing is with that kind of thing is there's so many options and uh, helpful hints. There's admissions counselors, and there's people that have been there before that know how to do the things and can help you with that. Uh, one problem with the whole stage changing is, that I've been worried about personally, and most likely many of the people in my class that are graduating this year are worried about the same thing, is finding a new church home and starting over completely, um, finding a new, making new uh, church friends, Christian friends, um, people that you can lean on, and getting involved in the church. Um, it's a pretty daunting task to grow close to an entirely new family. Imagine leaving your family at home right now and going to a new one and trying to integrate yourself in that. Um, that is, is if it was not scary enough, uh, there's also the task of finding a new one uh, wherever you are. Um, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. Uh, that's Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 19 through 22, it says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of one of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, and him who the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together in a dwelling for God in the Spirit. This points out that we're members of God's household, and if we want to follow God, if we claim to follow God, how is it possible for us to not be in his household? Verse 22 says that we're being built together into a place where God lives by his spirit. How can we be a part of Christ's body? And in Colossians chapter 1, he's the head of the church. He's the head of his body. The church is his body. How can we be a part of his body if we don't look for, look for and become active in a church home? It's impossible. How then do we find one? I've been given much advice by uh, people speaking to the seniors in the junior senior retreat. Uh, David Minton gave us a lot of advice on things like this. And many people in the church have given me advice and all of us advice on how to find one. Um, so much advice that it's impossible to recount in just one lesson. But taking all of them and making a consensus and boiling it down is to finding one church that follows all of God's directions given in his word wholeheartedly and completely. Very much like the church here in Mount Juliet. Once we have located a church, once one has fit our criteria, not for what we want in a church, but what God demands in a church, um, it's very important that we integrate ourselves. We have to become a member. And not just a member to be announced on Sunday morning, have our picture shown up on the projector and stuff, but one that encourages the others and becomes part of a family just like we want to make our family, church family our own family. One part of a church family is we all have responsibilities, brothers and sisters in Christ, responsibilities to each other and responsibilities to God. Whether you have just placed membership 
or if you've been attending the church for many years, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 explains the purpose of fellowship and its importance. If you turn there with me, if you will. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, there's many aspects of fellowship, but the one we're going to look at tonight is a fellowship in the church. Now, you're not going to find a good church family, uh, have you know, good examples, find others to look up to at uh, McDonald's down the street. You have to come where they meet, not necessarily the church building, but where the body of Christ, us, the church, meet and grow in them. In order for us to grow as Christians, it's important for us to learn, and the easiest way to learn is by example. Philippians 3.17 says, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. This is kind of another bit of instruction that emphasizes the importance of choosing people to observe and learn from their actions while they are walking a light. Um, that being said, it's very important to surround yourself with good examples and rather than bad examples. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15.33 is very well known. Um, bad company corrupts good morals. The biggest challenge of that is to not, a lot of times, especially I, I do this myself, is if you want to take things on your own. And being a part of a church family, you have to learn how to lean on others and to follow their example, and it's very important. And as we continue to grow and mature in our Christian lives, it's important to keep in mind that just as we, maybe earlier or maybe at the current moment, have observed or are observing people um, to look for good examples, we may be observed ourselves. Um, in First Corinthians, oh, sorry, in Matthew chapter five sixteen, um, it uh, explains how we can be good examples and what, how, what an importance it is to have good character when we're surrounding when we're around others. That's Matthew chapter five verse sixteen. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Part of living our life is uh, spreading the word of God in a subtle way, yet a very powerful way, is through our actions. And especially in a church family, if we're to be a, a um, solid, uh, stand, standing firm in our faith in the church family, uh, we have to be a good example for others, um, even if we're not aware that they're watching us, because someone always is. And also in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about in chapter 11, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Um, Paul, one who was an example to not only the people in the church um, way back in the day, in the beginning of the church, but also today with us, um, was a good example for all. For all. Um, but he himself states that his, he's following Christ and that he's emulating Christ so that we can follow his example and ultimately follow Christ's example. And finally, we're to seek out those who are struggling if in the church family. Um, we can be a good example all we want, but if we're uh, kind of callous to others' needs and others' problems, it, it's really not going to have a good impression on them. Um, in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, if you'll turn there, please, also, um, it states that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. 
Now, David talked about this morning, um, wisdom, having wisdom and finding wisdom and doing discreetly with other matters. Uh, when we're making an effort to help someone with a problem in a godly manner, it's imperative that we turn to God for wisdom and for help and understanding so that we may be able to help them instead of just kind of uh, making things worse. Now, we've all been in situations where, um, when, with dealing with others, where we either find out the easy way or the hard way, whether we're needing the help or we're trying to help someone else, but we found out what a blessing it is to have God's wisdom and dealing with a discretion and being able to understand as Christ would with someone else's problems. Um, it's, it's, it helps a lot more. If you try to take things in a worldly perspective with someone's problem in a Christian perspective, it doesn't really work out. You really have to think of things like God would imagine them and God would deal with them. Um, that's also another way of uh, being a light for God through your actions. Now I mentioned before how it seems daunting to a big task to start over in a new church family. Uh, you know, you have to gain friends and become, become involved in activities you might not be used to because um, different churches do different things. Um, in Corinthians, it gives me a little bit of hope and hopefully you all a little bit of hope um, that can be applied to any church family regardless of age or um, area. First uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. It says, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. Uh, God makes it easy for us to grow closer to each other and closer to Him because He's designed it that as relationships that are among those who strive for a common goal are stronger than any other, especially when united in Christ's body. Thank you. I'll be reading from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. And that can be found on page 1057 in your pew Bibles. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. It's great to see all of you here. It's a true encouragement, I know, to me. I think I can speak for Jacob as well. It's awesome to see so many people here tonight. I've been thinking over the past week, you know, I've gone through 13 years of school, kindergarten through 12th grade. What have I really learned? What can I really take from this? So I threw together a quick list of 13 things I've learned through 13 years of school. Now, it's not going to be as long as it sounds, I promise. So number one, always bring your pencil and your paper to class. I learned no matter what, you have to be prepared. Spiritually speaking, it's the same thing for us. We always have to be prepared for a question that somebody may have. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 says, But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. It doesn't say, hey, somebody may ask you a question on Sunday. 
hey, maybe Wednesday night somebody's going to have a question. But yet, we always need to be prepared, just kind of like at school. Number two, I learned show and tell is awesome. One of my favorite things growing up was on the days when we had show and tell, when I could go and show something that I was very passionate about. Our Christian walk kind of needs to be the same way. It needs to be something that we're willing to show and tell every day of our life. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. You're not supposed to be ashamed of the gospel. You're supposed to live it out every day and show others. Number three, nap time. Nap time is awesome. I had a short stage in my life when I hated naps. I'm back out of that stage now, and nap time is awesome. <laughs> Spiritually speaking, it's good for us to take some time to recharge. Uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it just says there's a time for everything. And I think sometimes it's okay to take a step back, not lose your faith, not be willing to not show it, but to say, hey, let's get focused on what we need to get focused on. Number four, gym and recess. I love gym or recess. Uh, it's a time for us to actually do something. It's one thing for us to sit down all day in a desk and say, yeah, A squared, B squared, C squared. But it's another thing to get up and actually go do something. I think of Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Lord said, go. He didn't say, hey, on your mark, get set. He said, go right now. Go into all the world. Do something. Number five, don't focus on last year. There's always been that year, you know, maybe, hey, last year was kind of rough. But, you know, it's a new year. Maybe the grades weren't the best, but look ahead to the new year. It's time to do something right. Spiritually speaking, there's a time when we can have a rough patch. But it's important to realize, hey, we need to let the past be the past. We need to look forward and do right in the future. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans that I have made for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. We sing a song that says, I have a living hope. We have a hope of tomorrow, of also a hope of a home in heaven. We can live and strive towards that goal. Something else I've learned in school is sharing. Sharing is caring. It's always important. They teach you in kindergarten. One of the first things you learn how to do is share your toys with all the other kids. Some toys you're not so willing to share. Some, all right, you can share it with them. But we also need to be willing to share. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone who has need. Number seven, bargain for food in the lunchroom. I don't really know much of a spiritual application here, but that's something that I've learned. Uh, no offense to my mom, but there are some days when the lunch isn't always the best. And on those days, trade with the kids at your table to get what you want. Y'all need to take notes on that and remember it. Number eight, have good friends. Friends are very important in school. Sometimes you can be judged by somebody just based about who you hang, on, hang, hang around. It's kind of the same thing. It's maybe not right that, that people will do that, but it happens. People judge you based on who you hang around. From a spiritual viewpoint, we need to surround ourselves with good people as well. 1 Corinthians 15 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Number nine, I think it's also 
important to realize there's always going to be a question on the test that you do not know. That's just a fact of life. No matter how hard I study, a 100 just seems so rare to come by. And I think spiritually speaking, it's the same way. Also, in the ACT, kind of the standard for how smart you are, I guess, in a college's eyes, it's still possible to miss up to three or four questions and still make the perfect 36. They don't expect you to be 100% perfect, but they expect you to come close. We're not going to know everything. But unlike in school, spiritually, we have the Bible. We can use it to cheat, if you will, to figure out the answer. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. The word there was all. All means everything, plain and simple. This book right here has the answer to all the questions that we may have in life. And we need to use it more often than this thing right here. We need to look into this book. Number 10, don't be afraid to ask questions. There's always been a time in math class where I was afraid to ask that question because I didn't want to look dumb. But as I've grown up, I've learned, you know what? I'm not going to learn it if I don't ask that question. It's the same thing for us spiritually. When Philip asked the Ethiopian eunuch if he understood what he was reading in Acts chapter 8, in verse 31, the eunuch said, how can I unless someone guides me? We have to be able to say, hey, I need help. I need someone to help guide me through this. I don't understand. Can you show me? That's an important thing for us to realize spiritually. Number 11, don't be afraid to talk to the teacher. Some people have that teacher that's just, you don't like her or him, but there's always somebody that you don't like. But in the end of the day, they're here to help you. It's the same thing with us. We need to talk to God. The only way we can do that is through prayer. We need to take time out of our day to talk to God and say, hey, I need help with this. It's important to pray to God every single day. Number 12, remember what you have learned and apply it to your life. I've learned so much during school, and to be quite honest with you, I think half of it has gone in this year and out this year. But I need to think about what have I really learned, and I need to actually take it, and I need to use it later in life. It's the same thing here. Since I started going to church when I was just a little kid, I've learned so much. And it's one thing just to hear it, but I really need to take it, and I need to apply it to my life. Now for the big number 13. This is the most important lesson I've ever learned, and I don't think it's actually come from school. I think it's come from church. They started teaching it to me as soon as I could listen or understand, and I've heard it throughout my life, and I'm sure I'm going to keep hearing it. It's the story of Jesus. It's the most important lesson I think I've learned ever. I learned how we're all sinners, Romans 3.23, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And I've learned that this right here is that textbook. And I've learned that Jesus wants to save us. I see in Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2, we're separated from God. We were walking with God at one point in time, but yet there's sin that separates us from God. But I've also learned that there's a way that we can remove that sin. The very first step is believing. We see that in John chapter 8 and verse 24. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. Listen here. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. But we know from studying the scriptures that belief isn't enough. Because if it was, the demons would also be able to go to heaven. Because even the demons believe and they shudder. James chapter 2 and verse 19. So we see that we also have to repent. We have to repent of our past 
and turn towards God. We see in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. We have to have that repentance inside of our heart to say, you know what, I'm actually going to do this. It's just like gym time. I'm actually going to go and do something about this now. We also must be willing to confess Jesus. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. In a Bible study book that we have, I saw this short little phrase, I guess, and I really thought about it. Confession isn't simply a ritual you do in front of the church. It's an everyday thing. If you confess on Sunday, but are ashamed of the Lord on Monday among your peers, you still remain an enemy of God. Confession isn't something that we can just walk into church and confess God. It's something that we have to live out every single day of our lives. And lastly, in order to remove that sin that separated us from God, I've learned that we have to be baptized. Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Baptism is it. It's that thing that washes away those sins that allows us to be reunited with God again. I've learned so many different lessons just growing up lately, and I'm sure I have so much more to learn. But I want to know, I don't care if you learned those first 12, really. I mean, it's cool if you did. What about this last one? Have you learned this lesson yet? Have you learned that you're a sinner? Have you learned that that sin separates you from God? Have you learned that you can have that sin erased? There are so many people here who would love to help you in whatever you need to do. If you haven't been saved yet, there's people who would love to assist you in being baptized for the remission of your sins. Maybe you have started your journey, and maybe you've fallen somewhere along the way. Either way, there are so many people here who would love to help you. If you have any need, please come together.